Ask the Podcast Coach for July 22nd, 2017. Let's get ready to podcast. There it is. That means it's Saturday morning. It's 1030 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's time for Ask the Podcast Coach, where you get your podcast questions answered live. I am Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting.com. And joining me over there, it's the king of Nebraska, the one and only Jim Collison from TheAverageGuy.tv. Jim, how's it going, buddy? Greetings, Dave. Happy Saturday morning to you. It was a big week. Not going to lie. And I'm going to say, you for, for anybody who's new to the show, uh, Jim got to go hang out. He does a show for Gallup. And what is the name of your show? Uh, we have two, uh, two big ones called uh, Call to Coach for our, for our coaching, you know, our strengths coaching um, customers. And then one called Theme Thursday. That's really, really popular. And uh, so you got to go hang out at a big Gallup thing with all your listeners. Yeah, we had a thousand uh, people at this conference. Yeah, which you don't realize how many people is a thousand. Like you get a thousand downloads. That's one thing. You get a thousand of your listeners in one spot. That is completely different. And, you know, I um, so I got an opportunity. They brought me in at the end. We were the final keynote right before the big musical number at the end, right before the big finish. And we did a mock uh, called the coach, the, the the podcast. We did a mock podcast. We weren't live, but we kind of mocked it up like we were. And they put me in the center of the room. Now, this is a room fitting a thousand with tables. So it's a big freaking room, right? They, they put me on a stage in the middle of the room with a mic set up like the studio, you know, like a mock studio. And, and uh, with a with a SM58 and everything, I was it was really, really cool. And then I did a pre-show and I got to talk to the audience and they responded and they laughed at the jokes and they, you know, and I have a, you know, I have a, my shtick in podcasting is to kind of say the same things each time I open the show and we vary it just a little bit. Well, this was a testimony to the amazing power in that because as soon as I would kick into the, into the script, they mm-hmm. would they would cheer or they would laugh, right? And I, I at one point I almost said, "Say it along with me," you know. <laughs> that would have been cool. Well, th- that's a that's the equivalent to like a rock music, you know, to the to a rock band when the audience sings. sings. Yeah, yeah. And so there it was. It, there was it was amazing to have your listeners, and there was probably three or 400 listeners around me. And even in that crowd of a thousand, I asked how many have never heard of a, of a, of a, a called the coach or a theme Thursday. And, and many of them hadn't, which was awesome. So it's still an opportunity to grow the audience. So spotlight. And we did this, we did this called the coach and I got off the platform and I'm going to tell you, I got to be a top 10 career moment to be able to podcast in front of a thousand people live. I, I never thought, Dave, not, not in a million years to ever think we'd get a chance to do that. So big day, L- lots of action on Facebook. I took lots of selfies. We just did. And you run on adrenaline for three days. This is what I found out. Your body doesn't like that when you run yeah. on adrenaline <laughs> for three days. You know, it's just constant all day. You know, and then we had after parties and stuff like that. And you had go, I'd come home, I'd go to bed, I'd wake up, I'd do it again. And I did it three or four days in a row. Man, it is brutal on your body. Um, but what a... What an amazing feeling and moment as a podcaster to be able to see that audience one-on-one and have that kind of reaction. It's For me, it's the payoff as a podcaster. You know, you're just like, oh, this is so great. We have a great audience, and they were just super appreciative of everything we do. So it was, it was a top 10 moment for sure. Yeah, it's that's something I learned from just teaching. Even on this show sometimes, I will go down and make my lunch and take what I call an involuntary nap. 
And all it is, is it's an adrenaline letdown. I used to, uh, on occasion, I would teach up in Michigan. And I remember this one class, especially because it was just kind of a special class and I really didn't get a lunch. So for pretty much nine hours, I was on, you know, just, you got to, you're watching students and making sure everybody's on the page and, and you're just on. And I can't imagine that times a thousand. And then the fact that when you get done, you're, you just, it's like somebody pulled the plug. So, and I did, yeah. when I was driving, so, I had to, uh, I had to pull off because I was like, I need a nap. <laughs> I just, you, you, you come, I, I came off the platform and a buddy of mine came up who had helped me start the podcast, gave me a big hug and, you know, it was, it was high fives. It, 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 the, the guy who ran the, the conference was super happy with the performance, which is great. And I walked over into the corner and I just kind of in the darkness, cause the, there was a musical number right after me. And in the darkness, I just kind of took in the, I just took in the environment and the moment and the, you know, that feeling that you get when you, when you're a part of something that you go, wow, this is going to be a moment I will remember. This will, you know, this will be really cool. And who knows what the future brings. But I guess I would say to podcasters, when you're in that moment with your listeners, do not waste it. If you've got a chance to talk to your, to your customer, to your listener, whatever, you take it. And oftentimes this week, I would take selfies with, with listeners, but I would either, you know, like one, I took, I, I asked them, can I have a selfie with you? And, and then I posted it like it was a big deal. And it mm-hmm. was actually, you know, um, they're, they're your fans and you got to kind of, you got to do some things to make them feel special. So we don't, don't waste those moments. If you get a chance, if you get an email or if you get a message or if you meet them in person, do not be in a hurry to move on to the next thing. You I, I, Dave, I gave, you know, I was working 12 or 13 hours a day during this conference, maybe even a little bit more in the evenings. I would just hang out with groups of listeners and say, Hey, you've got me, ask me questions. Yeah. You know, let's, let's do this thing. You, you don't get this off. You don't get this chance very often. Let's do this thing. And, and so you gotta, you gotta spend that time. Yeah. It's something that I, it's hard to do because there'll be times like at, at podcast movement, I always tell it's super easy to come find me. I'm at the Libsyn booth. And so I'm there and I'll be talking to you about podcasting stuff and I'll, you know, answering lips and questions, but that's the problem. I'm on one hand, I'm trying to give you my undivided attention, but at the same time, I'm also making sure I'm not neglecting the job that I'm there to do. And I always feel horrible if I am in the middle of talking to you and all of a sudden you see me look over your shoulder. Cause I can see there's now three people behind you. And I'm like, Oh, this is ho- quit doing that. It's like, focus, focus, focus. You, you have to, I had, you know, I had lines of people <clears throat> waiting to talk to me. And it's, it's tempting to be, well, thank you. Move on. Thank you. Move on. You know, and, and those people have questions and it's hard because they want to, they, they want to talk, you know, and so you got to find that balance of two or three minutes of, okay, well, Hey, it was great meeting you. Thank you. You know, let's follow up on Facebook or whatever and, and, you know, move on to the next person so they can meet you. It is hard uh, to, to sometimes run all that, but it's, it's, a, it's awesome. I mean, I cannot tell you how great it is. So strive as a podcaster. That's the, pay- for me, that's the payoff. Well, that's the cool thing is as much as I always say when somebody leaves a, a review or somebody sends an email or something that always puts gas in the podcaster's tank, you asking them to take a selfie puts so much. And it's weird because you kind of have to like hold your ego in check. Um, but that's a big deal to them. And you're like, why is it a big deal? I'm just me. And it's like, no, no, to them, it's a big deal. 
And, uh, and I, I can guarantee you they're going to post that or you posted it, but they're oh, probably. I, the it. Yeah. And I knew this gal, one of these gals I knew she was a big fan of the show and her friend had told me, you know, Oh, you know, she really loves the, you know, she really loves the program. And so when she came to me at the end of the, at the end of the conference, I said, Hey, can I have a selfie with you? She's, she looked at me kind of funny and like, she's like, Oh, okay. So get in here. You know, we take a selfie. And then uh, later on in the afternoon, I posted it to Facebook. I friended her on Facebook and then I posted it. There you go. And it got a lot of great feedback, you know, from people and it just kind of filled her bucket. So I think sometimes, you know, there, there are a lot of, when we think about musicians who do this really, really well, there are some, and Taylor Swift actually is probably one of the best I've seen of reaching out to her audience and making them feel special. Mm-hmm. And if I don't think if you do that, Dave, I I think you got to find ways to to reach out, especially when you have those real those fans who are really committed. You know, they've committed to you, and yeah. you know you gotta you gotta work it so that that they um you, you fill their bucket as well. Yeah, absolutely. Emily in the uh, chat room says uh, you bring up something interesting. She goes thinking about the number of people who listen as a group. She says sometimes I'll look at my stats and say I have two hundred people listening one day. So she said, I Googled 200 people and look at the images to find a photo of 200 people. She says, and it really puts a so-called load download day into perspective. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So yeah. I, I always divide by 20. That's my whole thing. So if somebody says, I only have 200 downloads, I'm like, you got 10 classrooms. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the way it works. Two, then, 200 people is a big room. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big, if you think about it, that's a big room. And it's a lot of energy when you get, when you get in front of them. Yeah, it is. That's, that's the, uh. It's, I, I can only imagine how cool that is. I mean, I remember once I played an outdoor festival and that was cool. Cause it just, people just, it wasn't Woodstock, but people went back for, for quite a while. And I have a picture of me somewhere where somebody took us like a picture of the band behind, like they were behind us. So it's, it's our backs. And then this just sea of people. And uh, it's cool. It's it's cool to get that energy. So there's there's this really cool picture that someone took and a, a bunch of these showed up on Facebook. But it's a dark it's the dark room and you can see kind of heads across the, you know, 800, 1000 heads, whatever. And then it's dark and there's just a single spotlight. And I'm, we're up, you know, I'm up on the stage and it's, you know, it's it's the microphone. And, right. it you know, you're like, man, that was cool. And you can't live in that moment. Right. You can't. Um, it's not something you keep necessarily going back to it's not glory days if you're thinking about uh, bruce springsteen song you know uh but it is a it is a magical moment and I, I i can't find too many things wrong with it you know typically i'm like i'm the kind of guy who says oh well i could have done this better or done that right. better i i got off the platform and said i don't know if i'd want it to be any different and and i think there's it, i think it's good to have those kinds of moments too in in what we do just just let it be and say you know what that was magical and let's just let's just let it be what it is and live in the moment for a while and then move forward. You know, my hashtag for the year is double everything. So there's still a lot of work to do in in our in our stuff. So it doesn't end. That wasn't the pinnacle. It doesn't end there. We've, we've still got some work to do. And those 400 in the room that had never listened, they need to listen. So we got some, you know, we've got some work to do. Yeah, I, uh, I think if I ever did something like that again, I would have one of my friends take my phone. And at least at the beginning or some sometime during that from like side stage or backstage or something, take pictures of me on the stage so I can see the crowd just for like my about page or something like that to, you know, just take pictures of it. Cause they always have videos and things like that, depending on where you're talking at. But it, it's kind of one of those things you're like, mm, I should have had somebody taking pictures cause it's cool. So I'm glad you got that picture of you with the, uh, 
There's there's a bunch on Facebook. The the other thing, one more thing I'll add to this experience, I think, as we bring it back to podcasting, is I didn't ask to do this. Like this was the the conference organizers came to me and said, "Hey, I, we got this idea. What if we did this mock, you know, live podcast? Or what if you podcasted live, so to speak, your your style?" What if you did that? And I gave him a couple outs at some point. Well, okay. You know, if you guys could find something better, you, you know, if you want to do, I'd be okay with that. I even came down on jury duty. I was supposed to be on jury duty this week. And so when that, when that happened, I thought, oh, maybe this will kind of get me out of it, you know? Right. And so to have it be their idea, I so didn't want to mess it up. You know, I so wanted it to be great. And, um, and so it was even better because it wasn't my idea. It's not like I was pushing for this right. to happen. And so it's another great feeling when somebody else recognizes that in your work. Well, now the big question, how did you get out of jury duty? Oh, uh, so in Sarpy County here where I'm at, you can, you can ask for a forbearance. And so I did, and they moved it into October. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I will officially be on jury duty in October. Well, that's always fun. I've never had to go yet. I swear. I swear to defend. Oh, no, that's not the right. That's not the right. <laughs> uh, so we had Sean Washburn send in a bunch of questions so we, we can tackle those. Of course, if you have a question and you're watching live at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live, you can um, hop on in. Just go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash join. And uh, you have to click and say, I agree and blah, blah, blah. And um, Jim, you're going to love one of these questions because I'm going to reveal something that's been going on with the show as we've been doing it. Uh, but first, he says, as someone who will be trying to work in and around a regular job, um, how do you best schedule interviews with people who want to do things during the day when I can't? And so and unless you have a other solution, I just I used to do stuff like this on my lunch hour. I would just say, can we do something around noon Eastern Standard Time, especially if they're on the West Coast? That was great because it was like nine o'clock their time. And they're like, oh, that's perfect. And then I would just take my ATR with me to work because I worked around computers. And in that case, I would either uh, do the deal where I would take the output of the ATR into a recorder and record it that way. Or today I might use something like Zencaster or something like that where I can just record wherever I'm at. It's a web based. So. Uh, Jim, any other ideas on that? Yeah, that's I've I have a job that allows me to do that. Um, even for my my tech job, they'll let me do an interview during the day if I need to. So it's it's a real privilege to have that time off to be able to do that. If you absolutely can't, I, I don't know, Dave. That's a that's a tough dilemma to have if you couldn't get that interview in during the day. I don't know what else. What, I mean, that's what I chat room. I have a few options. Yeah, I did that this weekend. This weekend. This week. Um, Jessica Kufferman, I, I was talking to her. We're going to start doing a segment on the school of podcasting called how not to make money with podcasting because she's got some really entertaining stories. And I said, it's best for you to record during the day because she has a kid and a couple other things and a husband. And she said, if that's possible, I said, yeah, can we do it at 1230? I go, that's typically when I go to lunch. And I said, I don't want to be rude, but it's my lunch. So we're going to kind of hop in, get your story and, and bold. And she's like, that's perfect. I don't, I'm not offended. Not a big deal. Um, so that's what I did. We just used my part of my lunch for uh, for that. So that was uh, one question. Um, then how to handle finding a good place or setup for recording or interviewing in a house. He has four kids. That's not always super quiet. Uh, he says, I know you, you we've touched on this um, in some cases using background music. I wouldn't use background music in the middle of an interview, though. I think that would be distracting. Uh, but um 
I just, you know, there, Jimmy, how many, well, you don't have any kids in the house. Not, not anymore. It was a loud house for a while though. Uh, I mean, I've had older kids over the last couple of years in the house and uh, recording late at night is actually kind of helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, scheduling that time or early in the morning, if you can, if you can get a spot, if you can get up at, you know, um, five and get some recording in, you know, that'll work if you're on the West coast and you're recording somebody on the East coast, or, um, if you're, you're, if you're, uh, interviewing European, uh, individuals getting up at five is great because that's their afternoon, right. Or late, late in the evening is mid time in, you know, in our, with our friends in Asia, so if you're if you're doing global stuff, it, it helps to, you know, you can kind of move that schedule around. Yeah, I remember when I first started and I was living in my brother's basement and I had two nieces and, you know, we had uh, five people in the house. And so I would record a lot of my stuff post midnight because everybody was in bed and I had to do it before my sister-in-law. There's their their bathroom was right above me and they have like a jacuzzi tub. So I had to do it before she got in the tub because once she got in, she wasn't getting out. And that thing was just like, I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. So you just got to kind of know what the schedule is. Some people do things with kids where they'll just say, if you can do it on a regular basis. And I realize that in itself can be a tall order. But if you're like, hey, every Tuesday at eight o'clock, daddy's going to go in his room and we need you to be quiet. And when, you know, whatever, if we want to use the old college thing of a tie on the door or something to like, don't go in there when that's here. And, you know, and then I've heard of some parents that will actually reward the kids. You know, everybody gets whatever ice cream or we go whatever if you're quiet while mommy's in there recording. It's and, it's hard. I mean, yeah, that's this is one of those things that you just can't you can't uh, hustle out. <laughs> you know, you can't like, well, if you just hustle a little bit more. Uh, no, uh, it, the kids are hard. It's difficult. I, I always people ask me how I do so much podcasting, you know, and I probably do in, in a busy week. I probably do seven podcasts during the week on a not busy week. Of course, it'd be zero, but maybe typically maybe one or two. And I'm in a life situation where at home, it's just my wife and I and my daughter, and she's leaving here in a couple of weeks. And so I've got a super quiet place. And work, I have my own studio, right? They, 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 nice. I have my own room that I can, I can go and do this in. And so those, that situation has allowed me to do that, Dave. I don't know, like if you're, you know, if you got, you know, you've had a guest on, I think he had five and he went on out to the barn or went out to the yeah, garage yeah. or something, right? You got to find some way. It's just those life situations make it very, very difficult. I don't think there's any way to hustle it out. You just have to kind of figure out how to separate it. Or maybe now's not the best time to podcast. I mean, I hate to say that, but if it's just, if you've got so many things going on and so many people in your space and you can't get it done, Oh, maybe you can't do it. Well, and there's there's always the just talk about the elephant in the room, you know, and just say, hey, you know, I have four kids here and you might hear them. You know, so if somebody all of a sudden you hear in the background, yeah, it's like that. That's one of the kids. Meanwhile, you know, I, to me, I've always thought that just makes it seem a little real. I don't think, oh, how unprofessional. Right. You know, I don't go that route. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Daniel has a great thing. If you just hang a, an XLR cable on the doorknob, that would work. Um, great. That's a great suggestion. <laughs> uh, and oh, that's the, good. the other question we had, um, and this is the one I, I know you're going to love. Do I need a digital recorder? Um, I think the answer is yes. And if they were cheaper, I'd probably would just buy one now. But I want to make sure before making the investment. Well, the fun thing is, before we started this today, I had Jim record a little voiceover that I'm going to use on the Bernie the Cat Show at BernieTheCatShow.com. And I recorded it and hit stop. And guess what happened, Jim? 
Oh, you lost it. I know. I never hit. I never hit record again. So in, we're we're like four minutes into the podcast, and I look over, and I'm like, we got two red oh. lights, and we're supposed to have three. So. I always say, do you need a digital recorder? And the key word there is need. And the answer to that is no, you don't need one. You can record into Hindenburg, you can record into Audacity and all the other ones. You have a greater chance of losing a recording. I was doing something uh, this week. The guest on my show uh, had a tremendous popping pee problem. And, And that's my tip for the week. If you have a guest... I think I'm going to I'm going to have to come up with something like happy birthday peanut butter or something with a, an H, a P, a B you know, and and go that route, because I had this person readjust their mic multiple times. And number one, they didn't have a pop filter. So, again, it doesn't matter what microphone you have. If you don't have a pop filter, you can really make it sound horrible. And I was going through and you have to zoom way in. And you can see that like there's this weird little spike where the, the P is. Cut that out and then listen to it to see if it still sounded okay. And in some cases, if it didn't, I would go through, highlight that, and remove all the bass out of that one little millisecond to kind of lessen the, um, the, the plosive is the official word for that. And uh, it's just one of those things that I kind of, for, oh, um, I forgot my original point. <laughs> I've gone on a complete tangent. Don't you don't you hate that? You, uh, you you go all the way down and Oh, so I was in Sony Soundforge and I wasn't doing anything. All of a sudden I looked up and it said not responding. And I'm like, no, 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 I've worked like forty five minutes on this file. I haven't hit save yet. Please respond. And I, I took my hand off the, the computer. I'm like, you know, be my friend, you know, evil demons come out kind of thing. And eventually it came back and the first thing I did was hit save. So it's not that you need a, a portable recorder, but if you do, as we've learned on the show, number one, you have to empty the, the SD card every now and then you need to make sure it's plugged in or you got good batteries or uh, C. And this is the one that I seem to miss the most. Uh, you need to press record. It's only as good as the person operating it. And yeah, it's just another piece of equipment, right? Yeah. I've, I've gone on record as saying, I don't think you need them, and, but there are some great cases for them. And if you're using it right they're they're pretty awesome to have. It's a great tool to have in your toolbox. If you're going out live there, nothing's better to be honest. You, you can't, yeah, you could take your laptop and set up your laptop and plug stuff in. That's actually a hassle in that kind of scenario. I think taking out of, and that's what I do at my conferences to be honest, but it's a di- little, little bit of a different situation. Um, I think having those little portable voice recorders, however it is, um, gives you some options when you're live. And so that's that would be my scenario. I, you, I'm just not a huge fan of using because there's so many things that can go wrong with them in the studio. Yeah. It's not my favorite way of being the first recording. Let's just put it that way. So maybe I clarified <laughs> that. Um, John has a great question. Using Facebook Live to broadcast the recording of your podcast, um, do you think that broadcasting and recording live hurts downloads because they've already watched or should I care if they watch them live or download? I don't think it does. I think it increases engagement and they'll sometimes if they like it, they'll listen to it again. And does it really matter? I mean, you're just trying to get, I, I think we had, um, so on uh, Monday night, we had a big reception at the campus and Micah, my co-host and I, we did a Facebook live that night. We had 1600 people to watch it in 24 hours. Wow. And that's restricted to a group. That wasn't even public. We restricted it to a group. So um, I think Facebook Live is, I don't know if I would do my whole show Facebook Live right now, but you do this, Dave. You go live to tease this show. I think that's a perfect use 
of Facebook Live. And I'm not sure I would do the whole show that way. I, I don't think you get a lot of like if we did this whole show live on Facebook. I don't know if it gets the engagement that we get this in this scenario. So I don't know. That's that's my my two cents. Jim, you kind of hit on this a little earlier. How do you deal with interviewing people on the other side of the world? You had a couple times there. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, we interview folks in India. So we have a, I have an office in India. I have one in Singapore, one in Sydney. And um, and so those are, are those offices we podcast out of all the time. I've done London and Berlin as well. And you have to wake up early for those here in the U.S. Um, time zones are difficult. So as you get into that, a couple things. One, make sure you understand the concept of a time zone. Uh, and that your guest does as well. And I think you have to be extra vigilant in your conversations with your guest to make sure everybody's on the right time. We use Outlook uh, and Outlook calendar invites, and I make sure those invites have the time zone stuff turned on so all that stuff is working right. And get it on your guest's calendar. Confirm it's on your guest's calendar. Make sure everyone is thinking about the right time. I can't tell you how many times we've done this. And, oh, I thought you said 10 Central. And it's your eight, it's eight central and you're there two hours early, right? Or you Ooh. miss it. So yeah. time zones are really super important. I think you've got to be able to get those and then communicate. This is where a pre-call is super important. I think you've got to do that pre-call with them a couple days ahead of time, even if it's for 15 minutes to make sure all the technology is working right. Years ago, when we first started doing this in India, the the bandwidth was always an issue. <clears throat> and so I just had to Get them in a great spot. India does not have great internet. Uh, really? Yeah, it's awful, and just doesn't work very well. And I, you know, and I've just painted a big broad stroke across a country with 1.3 billion people. Right. So, so sorry about that. But generally, the uh, the guests I were trying to get in, it was always terrible. And so it's gotten better, but um, those test calls help us sometimes finding a spot in the building was better. Finding, and it helped me like, okay, everybody wants to sit in front of a window. Don't. It's terrible. Like, you know, you get this, you know, you get this Jesus like effect behind them, like they're ascending into heaven. So <laughs> you don't you know, you don't want that. So those test calls were really, were really, really important. And you know what? There's nothing that says you're important more like when you stay up to one o'clock in the morning to interview somebody in their time zone. So don't make them don't make them be inconvenient by waking up at four in the morning for you. You wake up and do it in their time zone. I think that's I think that's way more important than anything else that you get them in their zone. Yeah, that's what I usually do. I've gotten up a few times at five and six in the morning and then done interviews at nine and ten. And it just you got to do what you got. Somebody's going to go home sleepy. That's the kind. Of <laughs> yeah, no, right on. And it's, it's one day. Yeah. Like it's one day you can you can miss a little sleep. Sean says in chat room, he says, be aware that not everyone starts and finishes daylight savings. At the uh, daylight yeah. saving time, at the at the same time, um, it, then that's true, right? We have different definitions of that, and that's weird if you schedule it uh, months ahead of time. Because if you're scheduling it in late spring, it, chances are you might run through that time when the U.S. changes and India doesn't, and then th you know th things get off. This is why I think calendaring is so important because today's modern calendaring applications account for all that. Yeah. So just get it on their calendar, make sure they've got it, make sure it's on yours. Lots of communication. Well, the other thing I always do, if I can, if I can remember to do it every time I have a meeting with anybody, I send a thing out, you know, the first thing in the morning, just a reminder, I will see you tonight at such and such time. Here's the link. Here's, you know, because the time I, the time I don't is the time I'm sitting there going, I wonder where they're at. 
I wonder where they're at. Right. And, and if they don't, if they don't contact you, Dave, within like 15 minutes of the beginning of the show, that's probably an indicator that uh, something's gone wrong. And, you know, check, check back in. Hey, are everything is everything good? I can't tell you how many times I've been in the midst of setting things up, you know, and, you, and all of a sudden it's, oh, my God, this is the live time. And they haven't they have the, the live person hasn't jumped in. So it's, I think it's kind of key 15 minutes before uh, that they're there. And I have found it's way better to have them in a pre-show scenario where you have where you have a few extra minutes than rushing to get it done. So they're a lot calmer. You know, you get them in there. We we send out a link 30 minutes for the Gallup podcast. We send out the link to the guests 30 minutes ahead of time. And they almost always immediately pop in. So we check their light, check their sound, banter. And then inevitably, there'll be 20 minutes left. And I'll say, okay, I just I have to tell you, if we don't do this, all kinds of things go wrong. You know, the more time you give, the less things go wrong. It's just a, it's a weird correlation. Well, that's right? it. And so they're always appreciative. Yeah, no, this is great. So then I get to know them a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with getting to know your guests. Ask them some personal questions. You know, get get to know them a little bit as opposed to, um, you know, learn some things around the – Dave, I know you've done this. Have you – you've probably learned some information about the person you're interviewing in the pre-show that you didn't know before that you used in the show that was really helpful. Right? Oh, yeah. have, you, have you had that scenario? There's that. And I don't do this as much as I should, but go check their Twitter and their Facebook, because a lot of times they'll put something there that has nothing to do with their podcast or it's a family thing or, or something personal that you're like, Oh, I, you like that band too. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And now you've got something to connect on. And so that just starts to build, you know, that little relationships gets them feeling a little more relaxed and get some warmed up for uh, the interview. And you might end up connecting on a whole other, you know, plateau or, or platform. I know um, Harry Duran does podcast junkies and Steve Stewart uh, used to do money plan SOS. Now he's just producing other people's shows, but both those guys are DJs. And it was funny because when I think Steve was on Podcast Junkies and those two, you could just tell they just wanted to completely forget the podcasting. Let's just geek out about old 80s DJs and Wicca Wicca and that whole nine yards. And uh, it was fun to, to watch those guys kind of like, mm, OK, that's kind of cool. So that's don't, don't you think, Dave, the best interview is where you get lost as a host. You get lost in the interview and you kind of forget your having a conversation. You know, this, this is an interview. You're just having a conversation with the guest. Yeah. And and the interview. I mean, have you have you found that scenario where all of a sudden you're like, oh crap, we're actually this. We're you know you're having such a good time with the guest that you forget you're recording. Jonathan Oakes is a really cool guy. He does uh, trivia warfare, a trivial warfare, uh, and he and I just we just connected when when we. He's a fun guy. He's sarcastic too, and uh, again takes his podcast very seriously. Doesn't take himself very seriously, and so that was one of those when I was editing the interview. There was a lot of stuff with us just yucking it up and stuff. And it was like, okay, this really isn't what my audience is tuning in for. And so, you know, that ends up on the cutting room floor, but it does, it enhances your connection with your guest. So, uh, that's, that's kind of cool. And then on, uh, we just recorded, we we've had two back to back now, which is nice podcast review show. That's the one I do with Eric K Johnson, where if you want a unbiased opinion on your show, we go over it head to foot. And, uh, we were, Interviewing a guy, uh, Sean, he does a show called Clara Neat. It's all about 
he's a professional clarinet player and all sorts of other things. He's a really talented musician. And I was, I looked up and I, I opened up the file. It's an hour and a half long. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute, hold on. And there was a section in there, same thing, where we just got off tangent and we're talking because Eric is a sax player and we kind of got off on this whole music thing that we really weren't talking about his podcast anymore. It was all musicians kind of geeking out on music stuff. So again, you know, off to the off to the the editing room floor, uh, but uh, that although some some of that stuff wouldn't be too bad to to include in, yeah, I some mean, of it I kept you know? in, but but there were times yeah. when we were way off in the weeds, and I'm like, mm, no. And then with that show, I always publish it at stereo just so we can get the full sound of however that person wanted their podcast to to sound. And I think I have the smallest blueberry plan, and it's one of those things where if I actually did four shows an hour long. I would be right up against my my bandwidth, or not bandwidth, but my storage quota. So I really can't go over an hour if I do that. So um, somebody had a question about six time zones. Oh, they had James had said that he had done a. It was really cool. He did a podcast across six time zones. Wow. I haven't had that many guests at once. I think the most I've done is four. Um, I was trying to think. I think we've had we've done it where we had Sydney, Singapore. Uh, central time zone and the and the West Coast. So I think I've done four before. But you know, you get people on and you get people think talking, and it doesn't matter. This is the beauty of what we do now. It's like I dreamt about this as a kid. I thought there would be a. I thought it'd be really cool. There would be a day we could do video conferencing like this around the world. And you just start talking, and it all that melts away. It doesn't matter where you're at. It's just great content at that point. Yeah, I had uh, probably two thousand six ish. Uh, it was Paul Culligan on the West Coast, Gary Leland uh, and Rob Walsh from uh, Libsyn were in Central, I believe, because they were Dallas and Kansas City. And then I was East Coast. So it was hilarious because I always, always ended up, you know, going to bed at one thirty at night because we did it in the evening. But it was one of those things, like you said, we'd get going on a topic and we're all passionate about it. And did you see this? And at the time, uh, Rob was very much an Apple fanboy, and I was, I didn't hate Apple, but, uh, I was on pod show, which then later turned to Mevio. So of course, uh, Rob was politely nudging me to like, yeah, Lipson's better. Lipson's better kind of thing. So that was a fun little dynamic going on there, but it was four different time zones. And so that was, it was always kind of fun because, uh, Paul was getting done with his day basically. And then Gary and Rob were kind of in the evening and I was, you know, eh, good to see you guys kind of thing. So that's always fun. I think it's when you, when you don't do a lot of work across time zones, I think it's really weird when you're thinking about, hey, I'm getting ready to go to bed and their day is just beginning. Yeah. Or they're in the middle of their day. I, I found when I started working globally, that was unique or odd. Not anymore. Now it's like. I do so much international work and meet with so many people. You know, it's like, okay, you know, Sydney is is um, uh, next day minus nine. And so you just you <laughs> kind of think, okay, it's there. Uh, you, you do a quick thing. All right, they're at lunch. All right, let's call them, you know, kind of thing. And and so it's it's really, really cool. The more work you do that way, I think the more you kind of get used to when I was a ki- used to it. Oh, when I was a kid, I thought three hours was a big difference. I was on the East Coast. Right. My family was on the West Coast. When you start thinking about some other spots in the globe, especially like the Middle East uh, in India, where those are 12, 10, 11, 12, it's the other side of the day. <laughs> you know, it's completely on the opposite side of the day. So it listen, I don't think as a podcaster, I don't think there's anything better than being able to have this really awesome global outreach. And so whatever you're podcasting and whatever you can do, I think if there's one thing you can do to improve your podcast is get it global. 
find people in your niche in other parts of the country and interview them. Many of the podcasters that are listening now do. They get that. But if you're not, I think there's a tremendous opportunity to find somebody in Pakistan or find somebody in India that is doing this niche and get their point of view because oftentimes it's very different. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I love about the No Agenda show with Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak is for a while, uh, uh, Adam was living in the Netherlands and they just have a global audience who love to feed them information. And that's the one thing, especially if you're talking about news, you're going to get a completely different angle when you get outside the U.S. and different countries. So it's always interesting hearing that. I think that's one of the reasons why that show is so good is they get all sorts of different viewpoints from across uh, different countries. Um, yeah, Dave, it's different, you know, with like our product. If you're podcasting around a product or you're, you're podcasting around, you know, work, some of those things. You know, there are differences in other countries about you just because you think, well, it's ShamWow. Uh, it's, you know, that, that's probably a bad example. But um, there you definitely get a different perspective globally. And we hear all the time, you know, well, your podcast is so U.S. centric. We got to be careful that, you know, I reach just as many listeners. Not really, but let's just say I do. I, 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 re, I reach listeners in India and in Australia and things are a little bit different there. Like, you know, we do this coaching thing as an example. And in coaching in the United States, we're always about, we're always proud of what we've done. I, I just talked for 20 minutes at the beginning to show how great this experience was. Well, in Australia, that you're a bragger. And yeah. that's not necessarily a good thing, right? And so maybe I've just offended all my Australian friends that listen to the show in the first 20 minutes because like, oh, that Jim, he's a bragger, you know? And, and you're like, so it is different. We have to be careful. There are these subtle at times and maybe not so subtle cultural differences in our podcast. And I think getting to know your listener in those regions and getting their feedback helps you be, to be sensitive to that. Now, I'm still going to do what I do. I'm still going to say those things. Sorry, Australians. But it, it is one of those things. Knowing your audience and knowing the cultural differences is helpful as well. I have a client who is out of the UK and she wants to monetize her show. And I'm like, okay, well, you, you've got to ask for the sale then or something, you know, and that means you're going to have to talk about how she has this phenomenal background and she's worked in the media. She's, uh, was an Olympic medalist, all sorts of stuff. And I said, so you've got some things to brag about, but you've got to be able to say, you know, if you would like an accountability coach, if you would like this and that, you know, I offer this service and I cannot get her to, because, again, I think it's like bragging kind of thing. And it's a stupid, pushy American uh, kind of thing. And I'm like, you got to ask for the sale. you know. Or they, at least, they think everything we do is over the top. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, those Americans, they are over the top on everything. And so it's hard. You, those differences, those cultural differences will actually stop things from happening. And they're subtle. You, you wouldn't know that unless you talked and had an honest conversation with them and said, hey, what, what do you think about this? And I had that conversation. The reason I bring it up, I had that conversation this week. You know, we were we had some Aussies in the room and we were like, you know, talking about stuff. And they're like, yeah, you Americans are a bunch of braggers. <laughs> you know, and that's really hard. So it's uh, it, it brings an interesting perspective in. And you won't know unless you're asking your audience those questions. That's it. Well, speaking of asking your audience, um, I saw this in Facebook. And I thought, well, you know, before we do that, speaking of our audience, uh, I want to take a second to thank our awesome supporters. If you go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome, uh, you can uh, become, basically join our patron group. And I definitely want to thank uh, Glenn Hebert from Horse Radio Network, Josh Rivers from creativestudio.academy, Joshua Liston. He does the Podcaster Survival Guide. You can find that at tpsguide.org. And a new one. 
the one and only Max Trescott. He does aviation news talk. Yeah, you guessed it, aviationnewstalk.com. That's a really cool thing because Max graduate graduated, he said in air quotes, from the School of Podcasting. He said, you know, Dave, I, I like it. I've gone through all the courses. I like the Facebook group, yada, yada, yada. But I kind of think I got what I need out of it. And he goes, and it's always funny. People get like, they, they're, they're walking on eggshells. I'm like, no, it's, you know, people graduate. I, I, it's fine. He goes, but I still want to support you. So I signed up for ask the podcast coach. And I'm like, well, there you go. Nice. Very, very cool. Thank I you. can't believe I didn't lead with this. If you go to ask the podcast slash messengers, the messengers is now available for pre-sale. So if you really want to support the show, Go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash messengers. It's going to go live, according to iTunes, August 23rd. So we're we're begging people. It's $5.99. Go tell your friends, tell your grandma, tell anybody you know, you know, skip the Starbucks today, buy that movie, because it would be very cool at Podcast Movement to announce we're the number one documentary in uh, in iTunes. We're hoping we can do that. And so far, um, uh, from what Chris Kermitzo said, he called me yesterday. And so far, we're getting a, a decent amount of sales, but it's one of those things where you're going to hear me talk about this per nauseum uh, till August 23rd, because we really, this would be cool to have a podcast movie just really go, wow, what is this podcasting thing? And uh, so again, if you go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash messengers, it'll take you right to the uh, Apple store. And uh, that's exciting. It's going to be fun to see. And uh my f- <laughs> thing I hate about it is if you if you never notice my bottom teeth are hideous they're all stuck together uh, I can live with it it's it's what it is and my front tooth is crooked I have bad teeth that's let's just let's call it spade a spade and um, is that racist by the way I just thought about that I'm talking about a shovel I don't I don't know I don't think so okay um, I'm just making sure it's like oh holy cow did I just say something uh, but um, the, they have a clip of the trailer, and it's me with my mouth open. And it's one of those things that is it's super sensitive to me. But I'm like, oh, why is it a shot of my teeth? I'm like, can they? I'm like, jeez, please. That's uh, hard. They actually That's changed hard. that in the movie because uh, I was sitting next to Chris in the movie, and they had this close-up of my microphone and my mouth. I'm like, dude, can we please get a different shot? I go, That's like the worst feature of my body. I'm like, I know you can't take a shot. My best part of my – if you get up close, I have pretty eyes when they're not, you know – when they don't have bags underneath of them. You got some good hair too. I, I, I although I'm at the point now, it's it's about time for or it's, another another cut. Yeah, another, another cut. I had I Dave. I was with you, and up until I was forty, and my kids started. This is I, we started getting braces on our kids, and um, my wife was like, "I'm going to get braces." So she did it for two years, and I watched her go through the whole process. And I just didn't want to hassle with it, you know. And I went the day she had hers taken off, and it looks so good. I immediately signed up that day. So I was 40. I'm and probably going to get braces. I put traditional braces on and I did it for, you know, I did it for two years. And God, man, that was the best decision I ever made. Because I was with you. I, it was my my bottoms were just terrible. And it's so, for me, it's just been such a, um, that was the best 2,500 bucks I ever spent. Yeah, it's you know? uh, especially today they have all sorts of, you know, invisible stuff. It's not like the days where you've got, you know. I didn't care. You know, it's like, yeah. you know what? It's two years. It's not yeah, it's going to go really you know. quick. Yeah, someday I'm actually, I, I think once I get a couple loans paid off, 
I, I it's just one of those things. It's I understand it. it. I'm not super sensitive about it. It's just one of those things. I'm like, eh, if I could go back to the day, I remember my mom asked me. I was standing on the steps, oh. walking into the house, and she said, "Would you ever want braces?" And I went, "I can breathe. I can eat. I'm good." And I'm like, oh, well, you don't ask a kid in fifth grade. He doesn't realize that when he's in seventh grade and he's trying to get, you know, Cindy Brown's attention. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of those things. I think it's just worth it. Yeah. I I tell people a a smile that you are comfortable with, you know, as we think about we're on video all the time and stuff that we do and. I'll, I'll now catch, you know, I did a ton of selfies this week. Yeah. Uh, well, and I used to never show my teeth. No, I, I would not smile with my teeth. <laughs> You'll notice and all now I look at all these pictures and, you know, big t- and I'm like, it's, it's worth it. Yeah. It, it is totally worth it. And the, the year and a half, and I think at any age, that confidence that you get from a great smile. And it, that's, by the way, that's another thing we as Americans are pretty crazy about is our teeth. So <laughs> that's, that's, by the way, that's regional. Not everybody, not every country cares like we do. I'm about our pearly whites. Yeah. So, but, but for me, it was great. It was a big confidence boost. And, um, and I did it for sure, but I did it at 40. That's a little weird. Yeah. Walking around. At 40. Do I'm my... noticing more and more adults doing it though. I'm probably, you know, I'll I, probably I get mine at, you know, 60 and then I'll yank them out when I'm 70 and get dentures. Uh, um, uh, you take care of them better. Here's the deal. You fix them. You take care of them better. Yeah. You know, I do. I just, I'm better. I'm better with those kinds of things because I spent all that money on it. We had a, I, this was in a Facebook group and I thought this is an interesting concept. And I, my question is, is this a good pitch? And I just, it's one of those where I looked at this and went, Hmm. It says, hello, fellow podcasters. I wanted to share my new podcast searching for shame. So let's just start there. What do you think this show is about? Searching for shame. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was like, okay. Um, it's sort of a variety show. They talk about politics, dating, current events, etc. I would love for you to give it a listen and hear your feedback. And that's from Kevin McKay. And to me, I just thought that does not make me want to go listen to it. And I just was like, I actually did go over and listen and I made it through about a minute and a half and they were making fun of their own intro. And I think they're new. But I yeah. just, I just, to me, I looked at it and like, I'm not sure how many people want to listen to politics and dating just there. I was kind of like, that's a pretty wide, a wide net. So, yeah, and how long, how long are you able to sustain that? Yeah. Those topics. That's the thing. You know, we, sometimes we get into this, you know, Hey, we, we've had, uh, I've got a buddy and we have these great conversations, man, we got to record these things. I, listen, I've had that thought myself. And that's my, that might be good for 15 episodes. You might be able to stretch it to 30. And then, hmm, you know, does it, does it hold on that long? And lots of, listen, if people just want to hear us talk, they can hear anybody talk, Yeah. you know, and you're probably not as funny as you think. And, and, you know, it's, it's those kinds of things. I think people are really coming to podcasting and I, I want to encourage people. We got to use podcasting as a way to teach people. This is where it's really in its niche. And yeah, there's some, you can do it in an entertaining way, but I think the podcasts that have the, the long-term sustainability and the engagement are where they're learning something while they're listening. They're bringing that value. You talk about it all the time. I was listening to the Wolf Den and they were interviewing, he said, pulling up his phone, Samantha Hennig, who's basically the audio director of the New York Times. And she talked about the three E's. And that is you have to be uh, educational, 
uh, emotional and entertaining. If you can get those three, it's gold. And I was like, hmm, that's a cool thing. I'll have to remember that. The other thing I thought was interesting about that interview is she was talking about how they do a show. I guess it's pretty popular called The Daily. It's it's free and it is getting people to subscribe to the New York Times because being a newspaper these days, that's a rough gig. And so what it's doing is it's helping people build relationships with their reporters. And so I want to go see what Doug wrote about today in the New York Times. And the, the thing that I thought was cool is she said, um, number one, from the top down, the management said, hey, uh, authors and writers and whoever's you know contributing to the paper, you got to go talk to these people. It wasn't like if you want to, you can be. No, the top said, no, this is what we're doing. If we're covering your story, you need to go talk to uh, whatever her name was, Helen, uh, Samantha. And um, she said, what's interesting is now these writers for the New York Times are saying it's weird. And, and I love the line that she, they said, and you're probably going to hear this on the School of Podcasting for those of you that listen to both, because I, I thought this was really cool. She said, um, there are people that have written and had their stuff on the front page of the New York Times. And they said, but when my story was featured on the podcast, she goes, I've got aunts and uncles and people going, hey, I heard your thing on the podcast. She says, and I got nothing when it was on the front page of the newspaper. And it's like, hmm, there we go. That old power podcasting thing. Well, don't you think there's some power in people knowing who you are? I mean, the days of just writing and being a name of, of writing, I think, are long gone where it's just like uh, I think you have to have a personality and people want to know who's behind the writing. I think of. I think of um, uh, Paul Thorat and Mary Jo Foley, who do uh, Windows Weekly with Leo Laporte. They're more they're more known. I mean, they're both writers, but I think now they're both known more by their audience and Microsoft as podcasters than they are journalists. Mm. And both of them started in the traditional journalism space before podcasting was even a thing. You know, I used to get the weekly newsletter from Paul Thorat. He would send out via email before he was, it was the early days of Windows Weekly. He hadn't even started podcasting yet, actually, when I started following him. But his podcast has made him a personality that people, they know him. And so they read his writings based on what they know about him, not just an article. Uh, John C. Dvorak is the same way, right? John wrote for a lot of years. And we know John from No Agenda. Right. Most people know him, but he wrote in the San Francisco Chronicle for a ton of years yeah. before and, he was even in podcasting. But I think he's better known today for his podcast than he ever was for his writing. The two go hand in hand really well, by the way. I think you can be a podcaster and a great writer. And I think it. this is where I'm, I struggle. I'm not a great writer. And I think if you can be a podcaster and a great writer, I think you've got some really you got a really good shot at this. And the other thing I thought I would mention let me see if I can share my screen. I'd never heard of this device, and it's called the Tascam IXZ, which to me, right there, that sounds like a band in the 80s. Ladies and gentlemen, this Thursday, IXZ. They got to be from Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what it is, it's a mic preamp that goes right into your iPhone. And so it's got one of those little deals where it's XLR or quarter inch. So if you're playing a guitar, it's got phantom power and apparently an input. So you can adjust the level of it uh, on the back. I'm trying to see what's on the back of it. But the reason I heard about this from Eric K. Johnson, the podcast talent coach, and he says they're actually using this now to plug your typical microphone into this, record it using voice memo on their phone 
and then they'll email it to the station. Like they'll be out in the field and they'll, they'll actually record stuff that ends up on the radio using uh, whatever microphone they're using, probably a sure SM 58 or something like that, uh, depending on what the deal is, but it's 44 bucks. So if you're looking for a way to do, you know, if you don't want to do the camera kit, which is fine, the camera kit for Apple is a thing that lets you plug in a USB uh, microphone. This would be a little more. Now the camera kit, I think is probably 20 bucks, maybe 30 cause it's got the Apple logo on it. But this works with anything, no matter what microphone. It you doesn't have. even have the logo on it. It's <laughs> just thirty bucks, and it's just a cable. Yeah. It's awful. But does I, it have the lightning connection? That's the that's the Apple logo. Is the lightning connection? Yeah, I had never heard of this, and was like, I'm sure there are tons of stuff that I haven't heard of. But uh, it's called the Tascam IXZ, and uh, if you want to, if you're looking for a way to do mobile mobile recording, um, I was like, hmm, never heard of it, and I was surprised that it wasn't. I don't know. I always think like 80 bucks for an interface, but uh, it, it seems like those are getting cheaper as well. Emily says it's got a, what, what are the reviews on that? She says a one-star review though. Ooh. Is it, is it reviewed pretty well? Let me, hold on. Let me turn back on my screen. That. Those, while you're looking that up, um, I had an intern who was doing some recording. We're putting some videos together for our internship program and he had never heard of a lot. He had that, that camera kit connection, you know? Uh. So I gave him mine said, here, take this, go, go record into your iPhone. Um, well, I guess it has one, right? Maybe one one star there. It's weird. It says a one star. I had just used a friend's IXZ and was blown away by the sound quality. I have to say I'm extremely disappointed. I purchased this unit on March 21st. I used just a, a friend's and was blown away by the sound quality. I couldn't wait to get my hands on one when I received it. I was first off put by the fact that task by the Tascan name on the front of the box and was completely covered over by a sticker written in Chinese. This was omnim, oh, here's a fun word, ominous in my opinion, but the unit looked identical to my friends. I went to use it for a vocal recording gig and it was a disaster. Oh, well, you're going to have one. You're, it, you always have the one. It's noisy. It clicks, it crackles, artifacting, interfacing. It was absolutely horrible. Uh, but everybody else, five stars, five stars, yeah, five stars. Back. If it didn't work for you, send it back. That's it, it. happens. It happens. Yeah, so, so it, I think I think a really that's a very interesting interface and a and a good one to have in your toolbox. You know, and if you're out, if you, I have a backpack just full of crap like that, that you know, you never know what you're gonna need. I I, I know I've been in situations and someone's like, hey, how are we gonna take a, a and connect it to D and then move it into the Z and get the F? And you're like, oh, I got it. I guess I can do that. And they look at you funny. And you're like, no, I got the tools. And I just yeah. I just did my one of my favorite mistakes. It's not really a huge mistake. But on one hand, I'm reading, so I don't want to sound like I'm reading. And in the process of reading, I turn on this tone of voice and I'm speeding it up so you can't really understand what I'm saying and I'm trying to go through it. It's like, no, if somebody's actually trying to listen to what I'm saying, you know, read it with a little inflection, but blowing through the stuff because you think it's boring, it's like, you know, what are you going to do? But I just realized, I'm like, that's not the way you're supposed to read stuff. I think if you're going to do a lot of that, Daniel makes a point, good point. You know, if you're going to do a lot of that stuff, some of those, you know, some of those handheld voice recorders will do a better job yep. for you than a gyration through to the iPhone. Um, uh, that's, that's for, that's true for sure, but there may not be a situation and those are a couple hundred bucks. You know, there may not be that situation yeah. where you want to carry around that. You, you, you just might be in, a, be in a spot where you got your phone and you're like, Ooh, I've got these connections. Let's see if I can make it work. Yeah. That's why I like the camera kit. Cause basically I had a cable, a microphone in no unit to pull around. And I just do the Bob Barker. 
Um, yeah. And I have a bunch of those microphones at work. So if I'm in a jam and I need to do something and I can't get to the studio or whatever, or we want to do mobile, yeah. I have a little, you know, that camera kit cable, that dongle is just about that big and just hand it or plug it in myself and record. So super helpful. It is powered by two A batteries. So that was my own one thing I just thought of like, wait a minute, how's this thing getting powered? And it's got two batteries. So there's one more thing to yeah, that's cool to check. Fairly interesting at 40 bucks, you yeah. know, 45, let's say, I think it was 44. Not a, not a bad thing to consider. I do the camera. I, if it were me, I would do the camera connection before I would do that on an iPhone, bring it in via USB. Yeah, that's me. If I'm, if I'm going iPhone, I'm just going, cause that's to me, that's just another thing to carry around. And plus I've got batteries now to worry about and things like that. So I will, uh, I will pass on that. So, um, but anyway, man, hey, we made it to the end. I'm going to say that hour went quick. Uh, Always does. Always does. What's uh, what's coming up on uh, the average TV? It's out there right now. We our big annual barbecue and grill show. And so we talk about nice. all the tech and some who doesn't want to talk about grilling and barbecue. It's so awesome. <laughs> so head out there. We got an hour or so. Not a lot of tech. And so it's kind of a non tech friendly. If you want to head out to the average TV. And as God is my witness, I'm going to overload our audience. I'm releasing the show today. I know I said this a couple weeks ago. I did it twice, and I fell back into my thing. Um, I took notes today. This is the key to this. So now I can say in my show notes, today we talked about uh, Jim getting to meet his audience and the power of meeting your audience in person. We talked about scheduling and working in a global audience. We talked about Dave's teeth. Um, <laughs> and uh, we you know, talk- The importance of a good smile. Yes. That's what we talked about. And you want to hear, you want that smile to be heard in your podcast. And then we talked about, uh, you know, searching for shame and is that a good name for your show? And then we talked about the, uh, whatever the heck that IXZ thing was, uh, Tascam, blah, blah, blah. So I will be able to write show notes based on what I did today, turn around and uh, shoot it out. And I will live with the ums and the and ums and the you knows. And that's the hardest part of the show, for God's sakes. Deal with it. So I can say this now on Monday, School of Podcasting, you'll have to listen because I, speaking of searching for shame, I have somebody who does a podcast that in the process of doing the podcast, some might say she throws herself under the bus. It's not something that normally people go up and say, hi, I'm this. I'm one of these. But she does, and that's why she was on the show. It's a very, in my opinion, kind of courageous podcast. So I will leave you with that tease, and that will be out Monday show. So we're here every Saturday. Askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. If you have a question and you can't make it, feel free to uh, email me, Dave at schoolofpodcasting.com, or use the contact button at askthepodcastcoach.com. We'll see you again next week. Everybody else hang around for some post-show. Oh, 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 oh,